Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. And as we go on the air today, we would like to take a minute to offer our prayers to the victims and loved ones of the tragedy today in Newtown, Connecticut. Every week here on Soap Central Live, you know, we take an hour to step away from our regular routine to share our love for a genre that revels in make-believe. On days like today, it's much harder to escape to that world of make-believe. Anderson Cooper offered up the following thought earlier today on Twitter that, really, I think, resonates with what a lot of people are feeling. He said, all words seem so small, so meaningless in the face of such horror. So today we are going to move forward with a show that has been scheduled for some time, but we know that it's going to be impossible for some to ever return to anything that resembles some sort of normalcy. We're going to take a moment now so that you can reflect. As I mentioned, today's show has been scheduled for some time, and coming up later, we're going to look back at some of the big stories from the world of soaps over the past 12 months. But up first, we are going to celebrate the launch of a new web series. It's called Eastsiders. It went live earlier today. And as has been the case when a new web series launches, it seems that Soap Central Live is the place to go for the launch party. So we're joined today by two of the series cast members, multi-hyphenated Kit Williamson, who plays the role of Cal. He's also the director and writer of Eastsiders, and he's going to be joined by three-time As the World Turns daytime Emmy nominee Van Hansis, who plays Tom. Let's welcome him to the show. Kit, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey, thanks for having me. And I understand Van is there as well. Van, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you for having me as well. Absolutely. Now, there are folks who've been on Twitter and on Facebook asking how they can call in and talk to you guys. So before we get into our chat, let me give them all of that important information. The number to call in if you'd like to chat with us on air is toll-free. It's 866-472-5788. Again, that's 866-472-5788. You can also take to social media with your comments and questions. We're on Twitter at Soap Central Live and Facebook at facebook.com slash soapcentral. You can submit your questions there, or if you prefer good old-fashioned email, you can email us at radio 
at subcentral.com. So let's get on to talking about Eastsiders, and we'll start off with a question for both of you, whoever would like to answer first. How did the two of you cross paths and end up working together on this project? We'll start yeah, off with Kit. Take Van, or you want me to? You can take it. Okay. Well, uh, Van and I actually uh, have dozens of mutual friends, it turns out, but we met through a mutual acting coach in Los Angeles. Uh, Leslie Kahn is an amazing teacher. Uh, she's my first acting coach that I had when I came out to Los Angeles. She taught me a great deal. And um, I knew that it would be really difficult to uh, to cast this part because it's hard it's hard to find somebody uh, uh, like Van um, not only willing to play a complex, multifaceted gay character, but also able to uh, to pull off a lovable character who the entire audience knows has cheated on his boyfriend before the very first shot. So we knew we needed somebody really special, and so I, uh, I sent the script to Leslie, and she forwarded to Van, and uh, then we got together for coffee, and the rest is history. So Van, what about this project really uh, sort of struck a chord with you? What made you want to get on board? Uh, the writing. The writing, first and foremost. Um, I've said before that within the first two pages, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do, um, and I felt that I felt that I knew exactly like in my in my heart, I knew what what this project was, what it what it looked like. Like I kind of visualized it as I was reading it, and I knew that it was something that I wanted to be a part of because I knew I, I could just. I don't know. It was weird. When I was reading that, I was like, I could relate to every single character, and I just, I just knew the style that it was. I knew the genre that it was, and I, I knew how special it was. And you know, special things come come across uh, so few and far between. And um, I just, you know, was really enamored by it, and I, I wanted to be in it. And for folks who are listening, if you want more information when we're done with today's show, you can head over to eastsidersseries.com and check out the first episode. As I mentioned, it is live as of today. But, Kid, I have a question for you. Sometimes when we see titles of web series, it's an automatic clue as to what the series is about. So we see Eastsiders. We think, well, maybe they live on the east side. But let me let you go into more detail and give us a little explanation about what is Eastsiders all about. Well, there's a bit of an east side, west side dichotomy to the gay community in Los Angeles. And um, I've lived on, on both sides of Los Angeles. I've actually lived all over L.A., but it wasn't until I came to Silver Lake that I really felt like I found my home and my niche. And um, and I, I love just how uh, diverse and strange every person that you meet is. And so I wanted to write um, something that, where the... the Location was also kind of a character because I think Silver Lake's really singular and interesting, and the gay community in Silver Lake is its own kind of beast in a really wonderful way. Um, so, so that's kind of how how that title came about. And for Van, a question that I think you probably know many people are having, but in Eastsiders you play a character by the name of Tom, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to want to compare and contrast this character with. As world turns, Luke. What can you tell us about Tom? And do you know of any striking similarities or sort of glaring differences between the two? I think there's a. I think the the characters are are much diff, more different than than similar. I mean, I think their sexuality is pretty much the only thing that makes them similar. Um, and uh, you know, of course, there's going to be comparisons, but I think that just because 
characters are gay doesn't mean that they have anything in common. You know, just because people are gay doesn't mean that they necessarily have anything in common. Um, so I think that Tom is an incredibly different character. I think one of the biggest things is I think Tom, Tom is older than Luke was. Luke emotionally was always a child. Even when he was growing up, he was a child. And I think Tom has a level of, I don't want to say like ennui or anything, but I think there's, I think there's some sort of sadness to Tom that I don't even think he knows about, but there's some, there's some, some, some deepness and some darkness to him that Luke doesn't have. Um, and Luke was kind of obnoxious, and I don't think Tom is obnoxious. Um, Luke was endearingly obnoxious, but let's face it, he was a brat. Um, and I think that even though Tom is making some terrible decisions, I think that those decisions come out of, like I said, this, this unrest within himself, this sadness um, that I'm not sure he even knows about. I think Luke, uh, Luke's bad decisions came out of um, his, his over-the-top personality and his sense of not looking at things in a, you know, a, a, a full perspective. I think Tom looks at everything in a full perspective and then still makes bad decisions. Um, and I think that that's really interesting to try to find out why he does that. Like, why, why, what, it, what about him is so willing? And I actually, I just watched the first episode last night. Um, and one thing that, that, that kind of watching it, cause I never watch playback. I never watch, you know, we, we shoot a scene and then, you know, there's a little monitor and you can watch it if you want. I never watch that because if I were to watch that, I'd be watching myself instead of the character. I'd be like, oh, Van, don't do that. Oh, Van, look to the camera at this thing. And then that would just kind of mess me up and take me out of it. So I've never seen any of the, the footage. Um, so one thing that kind of shocks me in watching it is how quickly, like, like uh, spoiler alert, Tom goes to Jeremy, um, and he goes with the complete conviction of breaking up and within five lines he's not breaking up with him and then he goes at the end he goes to Cal to kind of try to admit what he did and within one line he has turned around and and um is comforting Cal so it kind of shocked me in watching it and being like this guy just turns whenever somebody wants him to and I found that really interesting because that's never something I thought about with the character in playing it but in watching it, in retrospect, I'm like, wow, this guy has, this guy has got a lot more issues than I thought he did. There is an issue that when I was doing some research about Eastsiders before we, we had a chance to see the first episode, uh, a lot of people are discussing there and elsewhere the topic of whether or not men can truly be monogamous. And I'm wondering, kid, is that... Something when you were writing this is that something that was uh, sort of a jumping off point, or you know, how did we, how did you get to the idea of what the theme would be for Eastsiders? Yes and no. I would say that it's definitely something I've considered in the world in my life, but I think in terms of just my overarching view of gay relationships, I think that you know, I first of all don't believe that masculinity and femininity necessitate any kind of inherent behavioral, um, you know, action. Like, I don't, I don't think men are from Mars and women are from Venus and all men are going to be this way in relationships and all women are going to be this way in relationships. I think that's reductive and it's an oversimplification of just the sociological process through which we define what a relationship is. You know, I mean, I think if you, if you think back on, on your life, 
there's some formative relationships that you witnessed when you were younger that really um, affect how you view um, relationships and how you view your role in a relationship. And I think that, you know, there's certainly less cultural and societal pressure put on gay men to, uh, you know, to, to be in monogamous pairings, but that's also changing very, very uh, dramatically and very quickly. So there's a tension there culturally. But, um, you know, I, I would just say for, for my own personal viewpoint, I, I think that, you know, people should be hopefully left to their own devices and, and able to, you know, kind of chart their own course in terms of relationships. I mean, for me, with this relationship, I think that both Cal and Tom um, think of themselves as completely devoted to one another um, and completely monogamous. And so I, I think that Tom is, is upset with himself for cheating on uh, Cal as Cal is upset with Tom. We have uh, a caller from Indianapolis who has some questions about Eastsiders. It is Kelly. So, Kelly, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi, this is Kelly. Hi, Hi Kelly. Kelly. Hi. Um, I know this is for actually for both of you, and, you know, Kit has said in many interviews that once he found out that Van was involved or could be involved, you know, he got very excited. Well, a lot of devoted soap fans, you know, only see Van as Luke. So I was just wondering if both of you were surprised about how quickly and how many people, you know, embraced this new series once they found out that Van was going to be involved. Thanks for that, Kelly. Uh, who wants to handle that first, Kit or maybe Van on this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of uh, soap fans um, and just a lot of my fans got to know me as Luke and know my work as Luke. Um, but since then, I've done a bunch of other stuff, um, but nothing as long-reaching, nothing that has potential to keep going. Um, you know, there's been films and there's been guest stars and stuff like that, but they've all been kind of like, here's an episode that fans in, and then the episode's over. Um, so I think that a lot of the excitement comes from the fact that this this is uh, serial storytelling. And I think that, especially if, you're, if you are a soap fan, you, you enjoy serial storytelling. You enjoy coming back and finding out what's happening with the characters. You enjoy going on the journey with them. So it's, it's as exciting for me as it is for the fans um, to, to be able to tell a story that really doesn't have an end. Um, so I think that that's kind of, I think that's a lot of why people are excited, you know? Yeah, I, I, definitely, uh, I definitely see that. I was surprised, not so much because I didn't think that people would be able to, to see past, uh, you know, the, the Luke kind of following on the Internet uh, that Van has... But I was just surprised because I had no idea what to anticipate. Um, so it's been like a really pleasant surprise um, with me, especially, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to everybody that's been on our Facebook page. I, I know everybody by name and I love seeing the <laughs> posts that they make. It's so cool. Like, it's so cool. And people bring their own creativity to it. And I've been making fan art and writing poetry. And I just, I, I'm so moved that, you know, our creativity is inspiring other people's creativity. I think that that's so cool. Well, Kit, there's been a lot of creativity involved for this for you, uh, not only appearing on screen, but also as writer and director, and that's an awful lot of hats to wear under any circumstance. I'm wondering which of those was the most difficult hat for you to wear? Oh, man. 
Um, I would say at times actor. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm used to being very coddled. I, I realized as an actor in terms of like having time to prepare and, and, uh, and go through my own, you know, kind of comfortable process and get to emotional places where you don't really get that time if you devote it to, uh, you know, going over a shot list with a DP and running around because like, we've run out of iced tea that we're using for booze <laughs> and things like that right before a shot. I was really inspired by uh, one of my best friends in L.A., uh, Bria Grant, who uh, uh, many people might remember from uh, her role as the speedster Daphne on Heroes. She wrote and directed a movie. She co-wrote it with her, uh, our, our friend Vera Miao uh, called Best Friends Forever, which is going to slam dance this year. Um, that she, kind of at the last minute, decided um, that she would direct herself as well as star in. And um, I, I had a role in that movie uh, as well uh, that I'm really excited about, and I went down to Texas for the first few day of, days of shooting. And I remember for Bria, it was kind of a real, like, sink or swim couple of days because she had no idea if she could do it. You know, she'd never directed anything. She'd been on a lot of sets, obviously, um, and, and certainly, you know, knew what she wanted, but... She had no idea if, if she developed the skill set to lead a crew of people and, and to uh, act at the same time. And I wasn't surprised because I had absolute faith in her, but I, I remember seeing just how like surprised she was at herself that she was not only able to take over the, the helm, but to do... Honestly, she's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. So I... I was really inspired by the leap of faith that she took and that her producers took and uh, that all of us actors took for her uh, to try to do it myself. And I, can I say some, just something about that? Um, sure. Yeah, because, because throughout production, you know, Kit, Kit was always on set, whether he was in scenes or not in scenes. And when he was in scenes, of course you were acting with him, but he, he, then, you know, you'd cut and then he'd give you notes or... Or go look at the the shots, make sure everything was okay. So it was there was a little bit of a divorce between Kit the actor and then Kit, you know, play, Kit playing the character, and then Kit also as the director and writer. And and when I watched the episode last night, I I just was um, I w- was amazed because actors are inherently a pretty needy bunch. You know, we we need constant affirmation that what we're doing is good. And Kit couldn't give himself any of that because. Um, you know, he was he was he would be the one to say, "Oh yeah, Kit, you're doing a great job. Thanks, Kit." But um, <laughs> but in watching it, it's I, I was blown away by Kit's performance and the fact that he could just do that on his own without without any guidance or um or or tweaking because you know he's watching himself. That was I was really really blown away in the process that we didn't see the acting kind of had to take a second seat to the directing and writing because he was wearing so many hats, but the acting is incredible um, on Kit's part. And I just, I was, I, it's, it's amazing to see somebody be able to do it all. Well, thanks, man. Well, I, I really have you to thank for that, actually, um, because what my strat, my strategy kind of was in all of that was to just put my faith in the other actors and, and, just react as honestly as I could to uh, where they were taking the scene. Um, you know, so, so I kind of like tried to, you know, direct uh, Van and Matt McKelligan and Constance Wu. And, you know, Cal is not an inactive person. But, you know, in this first episode especially, 
other people are often steering the ship in the scene, and he's kind of responding to it viscerally. Um, mm. So I, I, I think that if... I, I just think that this, the success of the scenes is really owed to the strong choices that uh, Van and uh, Matt McElligan and Constance Wu and John Hallback made um, that let me just kind of relax into it, you know? Hmm. Well, the feedback from the first episode is already coming in. I'm sure you guys have seen it on your respective uh, Twitter and Facebook accounts, but here are some that are coming through. We have... Uh, to say the show was amazing. A big congrats to Van and to all the cast. That's from Naomi from Scotland. We have oh. Limey Limey Bird Two. Uh, I love the Twitter names. Uh, <laughs> Limey Bird. <laughs> Limey Bird Two is up listening to you guys on the show. Uh, wants to say that Eastsiders was amazing and worth staying up till 4:30 a.m. to watch. And and I want to say thank you to everybody who stayed up so late. I saw that the people had like a little Facebook party on it, and that was that's really, really, really humbling. Because um, I think we had some technical issues getting it up, right? Yeah, we were supposed to go up at 12.01, and we timed it out with the uh, kind of time that the YouTube upload had taken before, um, but it just wasn't going through until I think like 2 or 3. And people stayed up, and that's really, really amazing. And also, we're on the West Coast, so people on the East Coast you know, stay up to like five in the morning to watch it. And that's just, that's really, really sweet. Thank you. I'm, I'm yeah, sure it doesn't come all. as much a, a surprise to you, Van, that soap fans are extremely, fiercely uh, devoted and loyal, probably unlike any other fan base for anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, soap fans are the best fans because, because I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I, and I think actually, you know, I think it's the serial storytelling thing again. Because the only other fan group that I've noticed is comic book fans that are this loyal. In comic books, if if a character is acting out of character, <laughs> you you know, you go to comicbookresources.com and people are not having it. They are <laughs> furious. They are, you know, screaming for the head of the writer. Um, and it's very much the same, but on the same token, you know, if things are going, if, if, if the fans like what they see, they're, they're the best. They're the best. We have another question. This is, uh, must be uh, a lot of folks from Europe who are on the Twitter feed tonight. We have Scott from the UK who wants to know from Van, what has been your most memorable moment working on Eastsiders? My most memorable moment? Hmm. It's hard for me to kind of... Um, you know, pick out one moment. I find this in pretty much all of my work. It's hard to find like one moment where I'm like, ah, this is the moment. But the the whole experience was just was just fantastic. Um, I think I think the first the first day on set or the first rehearsal actually, where we went to the different um, the different locations where we were gonna you know shoot. We had we had rehearsals beforehand, um, and I think it was just kind of the realization that this is actually happening and just the excitement of having something that is being created by all of us that, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little money and a lot of heart and a lot of love and a lot of excitement. And, you know, I've never been really part of a process that's kind of built from the ground up. I've come into things that are already established. So it was really exciting um, and invigorating to be part of something that's, that's being built and that you're kind of, you know, helping lay the bricks for and 
So, so the process of, of just getting it started and being like, wow, this is actually coming to fruition, um, that was really cool. Well, that actually leads me for a good question for Kit. There are some web series that have had difficulty, we'll say, in establishing a regular, say, broadcast schedule to get 10 or more episodes of, of similar lengths for an entire season. There may be months between episodes when they get posted. What is your plan for Eastsiders? Uh, do you have a, a set broadcast, so-called schedule, ready for this? Unfortunately, no, and that's just as you pointed out. It's a necessity of working on a, shoe, a shoestring budget. It's a necessity of uh, you know independently produced web content, and um, unfortunately, independently produced is about the only kind of of web content that really makes a splash. Um, you know, there are exceptions to that, but most of the uh, web shows that I watch are completely independent in the way that our show is completely independent. You know, we're not we don't have the Hollywood machine behind us. We're just a bunch of people coming together to uh, to try to tell a story. And um, because of that, you do have to, particularly if you're going to write something in, in longer form, like a longer format like this, you kind of have to go and raise money as you go. And, um, you know, that, that does uh, create some kind of gaps in the story, as it were, some, uh, you know, time where you can't be broadcasting regularly. Um, but the way I've been trying to think about it is, is like mini seasons. You know, you get one mini season, a chunk of two or three episodes, uh, and then you come back, you reconvene to raise money and shoot more, and um, try to craft these mini seasons in a way that's dramatically satisfying, so that at least people wanting more, but they feel like they got a story. Because um, there's one way of doing this. I mean, we could have cut the first episode is almost 15 minutes long, and a lot of web content is under five minutes, so we we could have, you know followed a more traditional format and cut this into three, five-minute chunks, but I just didn't feel that that would serve the story we're trying to tell. I wanted to give people a chance to kind of live with the characters and get to know them over, uh, you know, over 15 minutes and have it be more of a, more of a TV show experience than a, uh, you know, kind of uh, snippets of narrative. We are almost at the end of this segment. We have about two minutes. So I want to let both of you, if there are some other projects that you're working on or other things that you want fans to check out or, or certainly anything that you want to steer them to, to give you this opportunity, we'll start with you, Kit. Cool. Well, I've got um, the Slam Dance movie that I'm in that I'm really, really excited about. It's one of my favorite things I've ever been in, and I, I just couldn't be more... Um, proud to be a part of it. It's uh, directed by Bria Grant, and it's called Best Friends Forever, and uh, it also stars um, Sean Marr, uh, who people might remember from Firefly or the Playboy Club, a really wonderful actor, um, and that's going to be premiering at Slam Dance in January, um, and other than that, I would just say, you know, please, please, if you like the show, uh, share it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, it's, it's important that we get views on it, because that could really help us get financing to do more. Absolutely, and we'll definitely do our part to make sure that people know how to check it out. And Van, how about you? Anything that you uh, want to let your fans know about? Yeah, I'm uh, currently shooting a horror movie um, called Devil May Call. It's about um, a call center. It's kind of like a throwback to those like early 1980s, late 1970s, um, kind of beginning of the whole slasher genre, um, where it was much more about the anticipation of something bad happening than seeing people's guts being ripped out because honestly you know that's not yeah we don't need to see that but anyway um so 
that we're we're shooting that. Um, I don't have any definitive date of when it will be able to be seen because we're still, you know, shooting it. But I can tell you that uh, Colonel Winston Mayer from As the World Turns, um, Danny, uh, he is in it as well. So it's really fun to get to work with him again. And um, yeah, it's fun, and I get to do my own stunts, which is really cool. <laughs> that actually sounds uh, like a lot of fun to do the own uh, own stunts. Oh so yeah, Kit yeah, I love doing my own stunts. I, I cracked my rib last time I did that though. But That's this not time good. I, yeah, this time it hasn't been so bad. Um, but also, I want to echo Kit in saying, you know, please, if you like the show, share it because uh, you know this is completely independently produced and that's amazing and invigorating, but that also means that we need people to see it and we need it to get out there so that we can get the support that we need. So I hope people are enjoying Eastsiders. Well, Kit and Van, I want to thank both of you for taking some time out to chat about Eastsiders with us. And hopefully, as we move into future seasons, fingers crossed, you'll come back and you'll talk more about it with us. Of course. Yeah, I love that. for having us. All right, everybody, remember that you can check out Eastsiders online at eastsidersseries.com. We'll have a link for additional information on Twitter, on Facebook, and, of course, on our website at soapcentral.com. We have to take a quick break, but on the other side of this commercial, we're going to talk about some of the big news from the world of soaps in 2012. Stay tuned, because Soap Central Live will be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans. Are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we are going to take a step back in time for this segment. No, don't worry, I haven't developed a time machine in my spare time. It's just that we're going to reflect on the past 12 months in the world of soaps. We're going to talk about the big news stories, the hit storylines, and of course, I'd love to hear from you to find out what your picks are for some of the biggest moments from the world of soaps in 2012. That is encouragement for you guys to hit the phone lines in case you need the number. It's 866-472-5788. Again, that number is 866-472-5788. You can also follow along on Twitter at Soap Central Live and share some of your picks with us. I'll try to read as many as I can during the course of the next oh, 30 minutes or so. But I'm not going to be walking down memory lane alone. What good is a trip down memory lane if you're going by yourself? You have to have someone to share it with. We do have a special guest to take the stroll with me. She has been part of this world of soaps for more than three decades. In that time, she has, as you can imagine, interviewed some of the hottest stars, learned some of the biggest backstage gossip, and obviously developed a huge love of this genre that we celebrate here Every week on Soap Central Live. She's here to make her first visit to Soap Central Live. You may know her by her pen name of Marlena Dulacroix, which my French teacher would love my correct pronunciation. She is Connie Pasalacqua Heyman. Connie, welcome to Soap Central Live. Oh, hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be here. I am so glad to have you here as well. You know, the talking about having done something for an extended period of time, there are naturally two questions. We're going to hit off with the first one, which is how did you get hooked on soaps in the first place? Well, I was a latchkey child. My mother worked in a library, and uh, Michael Malone once, once said to me, your mother worked in a library and you watch soaps? But um, anyway, I just fell in love with them as a teenager, and I've been watching since I've been 13, which was uh, many decades ago. So how did you transition then from being someone who was a soap fan into this being something where you've become part of the industry itself? Well, I was uh, I was uh, uh, on my student newspaper, and I had my first couple of my first job on a magazine called Teen Beat, in which uh, we, my company also had a soap magazine. And uh, fast forward about two years, I worked for John Michael Reed. Are you familiar with him? He was like the first really serious soap journalist. He was a columnist for United Feature Syndicate, and I was his assistant. And then I became the editor of Afternoon TV, and the rest is history. Then that leads to the other question when you talk about the rest is history. It's a question that I get from a lot of people who are sort of in my non-soap life. They want to know, you know, why do you do this? Hasn't it gotten old after all this time? And, And what is it that keeps you interested? So let me pose that to someone else and find out, you know, why are you still doing this? What is it about soaps that has kept you so passionate, as you're saying, for, you know, more than 30 years? I love soaps. I just love soaps. I, they're always there for me. They've been there through college, through my career, through my marriage. Uh, they're there just, you know, just most of my life. And I like the comfort that I feel in soaps. And I like the love that people look for in soaps. And I really, really, of course, the most love the continuity, watching the best acting, watching the best production. And also writing about them is a hell of a lot of fun and a great way to make a living. <laughs> It is. Gosh, there's so much that goes on, not just that we see on screen, but there's so many things that go on behind the scenes. And before we came on air, we were talking about 
having gone to the daytime Emmys, of course, for, for many years, and, and there is so much about the glitz and glamour that fans get to see on screen, but the press room is a totally different beast. I thought maybe the two of us could share a little bit about what it's like to be in the press room at the daytime Emmys, because that is just a, a world of its own. It's crazy, but it's fun because you're there with other soap journalists and everybody cracks jokes and then the winners come back and you get to see them immediately when they won. You know, I remember the year Susan Lucci won and she came back. We were all, oh, Susan, you know, we were just, we were just as happy as she was, you know, so that we didn't have to write the next Susan Lucci story and Susan is a lovely person. And I think it's just really cool to be close to these people when they, if they're, they're at the, the moment of their career high. Well, that is interesting. I mean, that certainly is a highlight for me as well, mem- uh, remembering when Susan Lucci won. But that lends itself to discussing that soap journalists, as much as we try to be objective, we are not cold and indifferent. I mean, we really do. You know, we root for these people who we, we talk to and who are business relationships. And I mean, there's there's a lot of that. It isn't... Uh, Maybe what some people think of that we're, we're cold and jaded after so long and really don't care about what's going on. That's probably the furthest thing from the truth. Well, we love self We're also, you know, most of us are professional journalists, and you really have to keep, even though we love selfs, you have to keep your, your sense, you have to keep your sense of balance there. And that's when, when I became a critic, um, for Soap Opera Weekly in 1989, I, I wanted to express my opinion. And I have expressed negative opinions, and I have gotten in trouble with people. But I believe in honesty. That's because journalism is truth. And you are honest. You have a website where you're as honest as you can possibly be. What's your website, and what can fans expect when they pop on over there? Oh, it's called Marlena Delacroix. That's M A R L E N A D E. Uh, com, and I write a column basically as, as often as I want, usually every week. It usually comes out on Saturdays. And I critique the shows, but most of the time I critique behind the scenes on the show. I'm really heavy into writing about the writing and the production and the acting, and I just take soaps very seriously. I, I just don't root for storylines. I, I really try and analyze the show the shows, and I really try and use my past knowledge to compare to the what's going on now to to, to come to a very kind of a professional um, opinion. Well, Connie, one of the things that we said that we were going to do is look back at some of the big news stories, some of the best and the worst. Let's start right off at the top. Is there of the four soaps, and I guess you could throw one life to live in there as well, since it did air in 2012. What for you? has been the best soap of 2012? General Hospital. I mean, it's just gone from a show that was supposed to be canceled into something that's just incredibly watchable and totally entertaining. I hate to miss a day of it. Um, Ron Carlovetti and Frank Valentini, the writer and the producer, have done just a great job, in, including all the fabulous soap vets, and they just seem to have, seem to have something happening every sing, single week. You, you can't not watch. Now, I mean, let's let's go back to when we're talking in the past. You'd have to wait until the sweeps periods, which are you know, February and May and possibly August and, and November, to really get the big storylines. And it seems, at least with General Hospital, they're no longer waiting to do that. What would no, you say? They're firing off those guns every single week. Which 
I don't necessarily know that the other three soaps are doing that. What would you say? How would you assess the other three soaps that are on the air? The Bold and Beautiful, Days of Our Lives, and The Young and the Restless. Are they making some some upward progress to to doing that every week? You must see, or do they still have a ways to go? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about Young and Restless, which is naturally a slower soap because of uh, the new executive producer, Jill Phelps and Josh Griffiths. I think they, they've got a lot to change on the show, but I think uh, they've begun to go in the right direction. Bold and Beautiful is always a great show. It's been a great show this year, especially with Stephanie dying. And Days, I'm not really all that, I'm not all that crazy about, and I, I, I don't find it as watchable as the other ones. So let's go. Uh, one of the things that you said you'd like to do is to focus on not necessarily what plays out on screen, but some of the behind the scenes thing, changes and, and, and goings on. What for you are some of the biggest news stories that have taken place behind the scenes in 2012? Well, of course, the end of One Life to Live was so sad in February. I mean, I had watched that show since 1968 when I was a wee bit child. And it was just a great show, and it was a great show towards the end. It was a real tragedy. It was fought. It was uh, it was canceled. The other ones I I, I think are uh, Jill Jill and Josh taking over Young and Restless because I think that you know Jill has so many has been the producer of so many shows, and she's really a great producer. And Josh is a good writer, so I think that was a really big story. Um, General Hospital raising the ratings. Nobody ever expected that. I think that was a really, really big story. And I think the saddest, one of the sad trends is that, you know, you've got all these leading men leaving their shows like Ron, like Ron Moss and Peter Raquel and Steve Burton. And, that, and that's very, very sad to see people leave soaps. You know, we need all the all all the good guys. We we could we we could use every single hand on deck these days. And uh, I really hate to see people leave. Of the ones that you mentioned, do you think that we'll see any of them return to their soaps in the future? I have no idea. I really don't. I mean, I I, uh, I think Steve Burton will come back at some point. I mean, as as you notice. Uh, on General Hospital, Sam is, has hope that her husband is still, Jason is still alive. So I think he'll come back eventually. The other two, I really don't know. With General Hospital's ratings improving, uh, I mean, it, it isn't a secret. You've mentioned it, and, and folks on the internet, of course, have mentioned it as well. It seemed as though the ratings slides for soaps was going to continue, and it would be easy to take the soaps off the air. Now we have a situation where General Hospital has more viewers this year than it had last year. It may have thrown some game plans completely up in the air. Do you see? Let's just I mean, let's go to with the shows continuing. If the ratings continue to go up, do you think that the soaps are going to be able to continue to stay around, or do you think that there's sort of an inevitability to the fact that there won't be any soaps in the near future? If you asked me a year ago, I would say that soaps are going to be gone. But the fact that we had such great a rise on General Hospital really gives us hope. Um, I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. I can't say yes or yes or no if they're not they're going to continue. It's all up to the soap executives and whether or not they want to keep soaps on the air. I mean, even though General Hospital has has some nice ratings, ABC is on the record is not really wanting soap. So again, it's. It's the, the decision of not me who loves soaps forever and you who, who love soaps, but the decision of the top executives at the networks. What is it that, let's stay on the positive side, what is it that soaps bring to the table that would be an argument for keeping them around? 
Well, continuity, I mean, you can't beat the history of General Hospital, which is going to be 50 in April. And I think that the fans are very, very loyal. And I think that the fact that there are so few soaps now that the fans are really, really rooting for the shows. Um, You know, soaps are a staple. They make money. And people love them. I think they're a lot better and more popular than reality shows or even game shows. So I think that that's the reason why they should stick around. In the last segment, we had Van Hansis of As the World Turns and, you know, Guiding Light recently having gone off the air in the past couple of years and One Life to Live, of course, All My Children. Do you think that any of these soaps that we've bid farewell to will ever come back in some way, shape, or form. I mean, they've brought Dallas back in primetime. There's talk about rebooting Dynasty. What about our daytime soaps? Are they gone forever, or is the passion that fans still have for them enough to maybe bring them back at some point? You know, I know, Dan, that you're, you are a great All My Children fan, and so is I. It was always my favorite soap. So I, I, I hope so much that All My Children comes back. But again, it's not our decision. It's the decision of the executives. I think soap operas are going to come back into fashion. Whether or not they're going to bring back the old ones is, is anybody's guess at this point. So if we, I mean, let's talk, we've got the soaps going off the air, we've replaced some of them, we had, you know, the revolution, which was touted as being a, something would be a huge success, it didn't do so well, we have the Chew, which is doing okay, it's doing modestly in the ratings, uh, Katie Couric's talk show isn't doing particularly well, the the view, or, or the, 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 the talk rather, came on and it wasn't doing great, now it's doing as one of the fastest growing programs in daytime television. Why is there this belief that going cheap is the way to go? Is it really just about money, or is there just far more hassle in putting together a show that's on every single day without reruns that you know people just want to get away from? Is it really money? I think everything in TV is money. I mean, they're corporations, and that's the, that's their goal. I mean, they're not interested in sentimentality. You know, obviously, why the hell? Did, excuse me. Why did they cancel <laughs> all my children and one life, to, one life to live? And as far as Katie goes, I'm a college professor, and I took my class to a, a taping of Katie just last week, and I thought her show was really strong. I thought Katie herself was really strong. The show was very slick. And uh, she might have a future. I, I, I'm not so sure that her, 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 her ratings are going to be all that bad. But uh, Katie's gone on the record as loving General Hospital, so I, I don't think we have to worry. Well, that's, that's definitely a good thing. As, you, of course, we've mentioned, we love General Hospital. We love all of our soaps that are still on the air and even the ones that are no longer with us. So let's go out on a high note for this particular segment. Let's talk about some of the things that were the best in 2012 i will let you rattle off anything that comes to your mind we can do storylines we can do characters we can do recast anything that you think was the best okay um first of all it's going to be in my column tomorrow if anybody wants to see it at marlanadulaquad.com my best and worst but i think the two storylines that were really the best were the Faison story on general hospital because it was so shocking and it was so well played and kept a secret and uh, I think the other really, really best storyline of the year was Stephanie dying on Bold and the Beautiful. You know, that was just so heart-rendering. And Susan Flannery and Ka- Catherine Kelly Lang were just so wonderful and, and just heartbreaking 
in the roles. I think that those were probably the best best shows. And uh, again, I would name Susan Flannery the best actress. And I think Ian Buchanan should be best actor because he's done such a great job on General Hospital. And he was really good to his Ian on Days of Our Lives. Um, I have a list of supporting actresses that, that I have four. <laughs> Catherine Kelly Lang, Kelly Sullivan as Connie on General Hospital, Deirdre Hall as the support for Will, uh, Will's coming out on Days, and Robin Matson, who's just such a great villainess. Um, and to me, they were two really best, the best, you know, that, the best, as, we, as we talked about, I think the best show was General Hospital. And uh, the worst storyline was Victor coming back from the dead. How many times have we seen that? Well, it, well, I, yeah. I mean, that that's happened a lot. I'm, I'm trying to think of how many times in my head. Three. Sort of. Is it okay? I for some reason I had an extra one in there. Uh-huh. I want to go back to the Stephanie story on the Bold and the Beautiful. Certainly, one of the best told stories from the past year. Uh, it also, to me has to rank on the worst side, strictly from the point that Susan Flannery is no longer going to be a part of The Bold and the Beautiful. And oh, I agree with you. It's a huge loss to the show. I mean, you don't want to, no show is about a single person. I mean, they truly are ensemble shows. But you, there's really nothing that you can do to patch over the hole that's going to be there now that she's left the show. Oh, I agree. Susan Flannery was is the heart and soul of that show, and she's always been, you know, a genius performer. Going back to when she played Laura, the original Laura, on Days of Our Lives before this. But you know, Stephanie, Stephanie's will and Stephanie's emotions really held the Foresters and that the family and the show together. So it's an enormous loss. And as as I agree, you know, I agree with you. There's really no way to make up for it. I mean, they can't just bring in another matriarch. Nobody is as good as Susan Flannery. Well, something that also shows up for me as one of the best things of the year gone by is Days of Our Lives. They have had some issues with some of their, their storytelling, some changes behind the scene, but their disaster, which <laughs> I just love the pun in it all, I was really, really excited by all of the, 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 the glitz and the special effects and all of the craziness that went into that uh, Olympic episode where the explosion took place. I mean, that was something that Days really hasn't done before. We've seen it on other shows, but yeah, they, not Days. They bloat it up real good, as they used to say <laughs> on old uh, TV show, uh, 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 Second City TV. But um, it was a great explosion. The effects were fantastic, and the uh, after, after scenes were really, really effective, too. And what better way to get people excited to tune in when you say, hey, uh, <laughs> we're going to be gone for two weeks, to have people sitting wondering what's going on. Yeah, who's going to live and who's going to die? And people actually did die. They didn't They didn't copy out on it in any way. I was really sad when Jack fell down the elevator and died. That really got me in the heart because uh, I always loved that character. And it seems as though he's always seemed to have gotten the shaft. It always <laughs> They always picked on poor... Poor Jack. He was always the one, the first characters to they could get rid of, I guess, in the past. Yeah, they shouldn't have done it this time. But what could I say? Who knows? He might come back. You never know. Anything is possible on our little world of make-believe in soaps. But as we move towards the end of this year and move into 2013 and beyond and hopefully many, many, many years of soaps in the future, 
What are some of the trends or storyline trends that you see happening on the soaps that you think we'll be looking forward to in 2013? Well, I guess coming back from the dead is really the most popular storyline. Now, look at all the people they they brought back on General Hospital, Ian Buchanan, Wally Kurth, uh, Robin Matson, Anders Holb, Lynn Herring. So I think that we're going to see a lot of veterans return because that's what pulls in the former viewers and that's what they're going to do. Um, I guess also there'll be the standard love stories and sins. I'm really excited about um, Brooke and Katie's husband on Bulls and the Beautiful. I think that's going to be a sinful, delicious, delicious affair. <laughs> Did you see it coming? How long have you known that this was going to happen from watching oh, the show? Oh, I didn't know. I was shocked. I thought that was one of the one of the best moments of the year. I mean, Don, Don Demon and Kelly, Kathy and Kelly Langer are like so sexy together. They really have vibes. You know, I, there's it's been about a month or so, I guess, where I just they wouldn't do that, would they? They couldn't do that, could they? And sure enough, uh, they did. Surprise. Well, well, Brooke always chooses the wrong the wrong man. I mean, that's her profession in life is to be a a, a late a, a man killer. She'll always be, you know, she'll you know Stephanie always used to accuse her of being promiscuous, and you know, let's face it, she hasn't had a man in three months. She really has to, you know. Get, get one soon. Is that the cutoff point for her? Three months? I don't know. It's the cutoff. Polly's the cutoff point in the last twenty-five years. I don't think she's ever gone without a man for that long. Uh, well, that's a great way to to sort of wrap up this segment because we're almost out of time. Is there anyone on any of the soaps who really needs to have a love interest moving into two thousand thirteen? Well. I don't know. You know, I was surprised I gave Spinelli a new love interest. I mean, I thought he would never get away from Maxie, but I guess uh, Elizabeth had, doesn't, doesn't have a love interest at the moment. And I know, you know, from reading your boards and uh, just listening to the GH fans that they really want her to have another love, another boyfriend. Who knows? She could probably have another baby. She's had so many already out of wedlock. So I think Elizabeth is probably the one that really needs the love interest. That'll be a great question to post to you guys out there who are listening. Let us know who you think needs to have a love interest on our soaps. Can be a man, can be a woman, doesn't have to just be it can be both. Hey, you know what? Whatever you want to put out there. Connie, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to chat oh, well, with us thank, about. Thank you so much. You have a fabulous board. I really enjoy looking at it every day. And I hope people come to uh com to see what I have to say every week. We're definitely going to want to send them there. We'll be posting the link on our Twitter feed and on Facebook and, of course, on SoapCentral.com. In addition to Connie, I also want to thank Kit Williamson and Van Hansis of Eastsiders for dropping by earlier in the show. And if you've missed any part of today's show, want to hear it again, or maybe you just want to check out some of the more than 150 episodes of Soap Central Live that have aired in the past, just head over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. You'll be able to listen to any of them for free. You can stream them online. You can download them to take them with you on a tablet or your phone or anywhere else that you can go. Download them, listen to them. Again, it's all entirely free. I also want to point out, though, that in addition to this being the end of the show, this is also our very last live show of 2012. But don't worry. We have new shows airing every week straight through the new year. Next week, we'll be back with our Year in Review. It's the first part of a three-part series. It's going to be a look at the best of 2012 with the two scoops columnists that you know and love from SoapCentral.com. We'll be dishing the stories like the, the best 
storylines, the best recasts, the best weddings, anything that we loved over the past year, we'll be talking about them on the show because that gets ready for the following week where we talk about the things that we didn't like. It's a great way to end the year out with the old and the bad and in with the new in 2013. So I hope that you'll join us then. That's December 21st and 28th for our special look back at the best and worst of 2012 right here on the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 